Hey, welcome back, everybody. Sarcasm Speaks, uh, Jared and Bob here. And it's our first episode post uh, Bruins Letdown. And all I'm going to say is, uh, I told you so. Or, I, I'm sorry. No, we, no one said we, first rounds. We told you so. No, we, we said it. We said it in the last episode. Oh. We said they're going to lose. Your prediction was, again, you know, losing game six in the second round. Um, but prior to Sunday's episode, when we recorded early, we both said they're going to lose tonight. So uh, we told you so. Um, whatever. It sucks. I've but... made a lot of money betting against the Bruins. Yeah. <laughs> that right? Islanders series was crazy. I made so much fucking money that round. I don't think I lost a bet. I bet the over in every single game, and I think I bet the Islanders to win the series and probably a game here and there. Yeah. Yeah, was that two must years have been ago? Must have been 21. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, basically set your fucking watch to it, right? Like, the Bruins are going to lose in the fucking playoffs. It doesn't matter how good they are. Clearly... Because uh, they are the best regular season team ever, and they still lost in the playoffs. So uh, do it that Ian, way you will. Ian Mack told everyone. He did. He gave you that one for free. Yeah. Ian has been on it since uh, since that like was, January. That was January because I went and got a physical ticket after that Yeah, for Car- Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see where we're at there. Um the people that are like, oh, you got to bring back Bergeron and Krejci, I don't care. Right? At this point, like, if Bergeron comes back, cool. I don't want Krejci. He's old. He sucks. Right? Like, you got to you gotta do something different. Right? You got to shake something up. At some point, like, this roster, this core of guys, right, clearly as evidenced by the facts that they haven't won a Stanley Cup, um, not good enough to win a Stanley Cup, right? So you got to do something different, right? If you run it back with the same, basically the same team next year, I think that's fucking stupid. Um, I do like Bertuzzi. I, I actually really like Bertuzzi. I hope they find a way to keep him, like, you know, have him stick around. Um, and there's ways you can make that work, right? Like. The, Everyone's like, oh, the cap, the cap, the cap. You get rid of Mike Riley. Mike Riley still has a bullshit contract for like three and a half million dollars a year. Um, I think Grizzlick has like a $3.8 million deal. Like there's ways to move these guys, you know, trade them, cut them, whatever, what have you. Um, you can make room. So I don't know. That's that's just my take on it. Because every everyone on Twitter right now is like, "Oh, I hope you know Bergeron's going to come back and one more time." And Krejci, I guess, made a pre- had some sort of statement that said it's either the Bruins or retirement. He's not going back to the Czech League. So everyone's like, "Oh, he's coming back to the Bruins," and it's like, I don't want it at this point, right? Like, I don't, I don't want Krejci to come back. I'm borderline don't even want Bergeron to come back. I don't know what else you have. That's my only problem. 
Yeah, not that's the problem. That is the problem, right? You have nothing because for the last how long has Don Sweeney been the GM? 10 years almost. Um and prior to that, you can lump Shirelli in there. What have they done to draft center depth? Well, I think they have a couple centers. It's just to get rid of Bergeron and Krejci, they you might what you get back might not be better. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair point. But any t- any team, if you so any team, ask them to get rid of their top two centers, and they will have a worse team the next year. Right, right. So that's why my thing when I said was, um, I'm okay if Bergeron wants to come back, but I'm done with Krejci. I don't want Krejci. I think we we on this show last summer said we didn't want Krejci. I think we said I think we were done with Krejci last year. I'm pretty sure. We yeah, said that. unfortunately, the guy that came back actually could play. That's the part yeah. that sucks. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, the only problem is it's like, so Bergeron comes back, Krejci doesn't. Now Coils your two. It's like, oh man, fucking a. Yeah, which in the playoffs. Coyle, well, in the first four games, I thought Coyle played outstanding. Um, in the final three games, he basically disappeared, as did the entire third line. Um, like those last three games, like Paul, Coyle, and then whoever their right winger was, because it shifted between, you know, Bertuzzi and DeBrusque and, you know, whoever. Um, I think Hathaway was on that line at one point. Like the last three games, they they did nothing. Coyle and Hall just tur- just turned into pumpkins, right? But the first four games, it was like, holy shit, this is MVP Taylor Hall. And wow, could Charlie Coyle potentially be a top line center? And then, like I said, very quickly, the final three games, they turned into pumpkins. So Hall had a great goal. Must have been game six. Cause I was like, yeah. I was I, I was thinking, I'm like, he's gonna have to just like take over and Riley and Jonesy this thing. <laughs> and I thought he was going to because he like went, fought for his own puck, scored a fucking great yeah. goal. Yeah. But offense wasn't the issue in game seven. They just can't. They, they so this is the stuff that like Ian was talking about. I don't understand all of the advanced metrics, and I don't look at them. Most because I don't know where to find them, so I don't quite understand them a hundred percent. But a lot of them do have to do with like possession and good shots and shooting and whatever. And if they were low in all of those categories, then it makes a lot of sense what just happened. Yeah, it does really. You know, and like they were. It's it's almost like they were score. It's. Like to put it in NFL terms, which makes sense to me, you don't get like a lot of yards per play, but you score a lot of points. So it's like, right. So you don't move the ball well, but you get points. So you're either making turnovers or or you're living off of bombs, right? Like the 40 yard touchdown, you know? Yeah. You know, it's like no gain, no gain, 10 yard gain, right? No gain, no gain, 10 yard gain or you know, whatever. you get two yards here, one yard there, and then you get a 45 yard touchdown catch penalty from the defense, like stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, that's true too. You get like a 15 yard penalty. So yeah, that, I think that's a really good, 
I think that's a really good analogy. I think that's a great way to put it is to translate it to football terms where just exactly that. Yeah. Cause hockey's a little bit harder to tangibly, but that's, that's what I mean. It's like, well, how, how can they not possess the puck well and score? It's like, well, again, it's like, they don't move the puck well, they turn it over, but then like one guy springs loose and they score like, yeah. And then he the made a really good point in his podcast that came out today. I think that previews the second round. He said, um, he said just, you know, what he's been saying the whole time and what you just said is that eventually those advanced metrics caught up to the Bruins because the standard metrics, they were number one in the league in shooting percentage and number one in the league in save percentage. And he was like, and this is, these are Ian's words. And he's, he said this on this pot on this show. Um, but you know, those standard metrics don't mean a lot to him because they don't show what really is going on. And he said it could be simple as during the regular season, right? When, you know, um, Olmark plays an unbelievable game, right? And only lets up one goal. The offense only scores two goals, right? So he said it was like the inverse where when, when the offense doesn't show up, the goalie had a really good game. And then conversely, when the goalie has a tough game, they score a lot of goals, right? So that's how you end up with a team that wins a lot of games that has the number one shooting percentage, the number one save percentage, but then their advanced metrics are all meh. Like they're all average. They're probably, I think when he was on, he said they were somewhere between, they're probably somewhere between seven and 15, you know, all across the board. So they were like good to average in the advanced metrics. And that's what happens, right? So, you know, you have a game where Omar lets up four goals, but then the offense might've scored five or six, right? They got hot. And then the playoffs, I mean, if that's what you're relying on, you get exactly what we just got. <laughs> you know, it's the, 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 we got the, the offense and the goalie got cold at the same time. Defense got cold too. Yeah. So I don't know. There you have it. There's your minute on Bruins. And I guess we're fucking done until the next time they broke my, they break our hearts. So every, well, don't, Hey, Hey, don't you worry about it. They're not going to have to break too much because they're not going to be good next year. Yeah. I don't think so either. Because if this year was like an anomaly and fraudulent, they're going to be worse next year because I don't know who they lose, whether it's Krejci, Bergeron, Bertuzzi, all three, two, whatever. Yeah. They, they will be worse. And they already were fraudulent. So here's a quick, I know I just said we were done, but this just popped into my head. Quick question. So Krejci, Bertuzzi, and Bergeron, you can only keep one of them. Who do you keep? I know my answer. So I'm probably looking at Bertuzzi because the other. I don't think you win the cup next year. So right. keeping Bergeron would make sense if you think you can win the cup. I don't think you can. You just took the words. So right Bertu- out of my mouth. Bertuzzi's younger. So provided you can, you know, make it work. Yep. He's younger. Um, he may never be as good as Bergeron. Right. But. You don't take the old guy unless you're like really thinking you're going to win. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm not even going to waste time. But then, uh, but then again, at the same, yeah, because you you, you because can't win he, in this situation. Whether you because you keep Bergeron, then he's your, he's your one. It's like you need a better one center, first center. And if you don't keep him, then you don't have a first center. So regardless of the situation, you don't win the cup. So exactly, that's that. Yeah, like I said, Tim, I'm not, I'm, Tim well, Thomas, they got to walk through that door. Yeah, exactly. Um, like I said, I'm not even going to waste time giving my opinion because it would literally be the exact same as what you said. So I am 100% on board with everything you just said. Now we can put a put a bow on the Bruins. Um, no more no more questions going to pop into my head now. Um, all right, so couple things, couple two tree things here uh, to get to. So the first one is the. Recently, like the other day, the Wall Street Journal, I think it was, um, leaked the some documents pertaining to Jeffrey Epstein. If believe it or not, that motherfucker is still in the news five years later, uh, despite every effort from the elite and the ruling class that were in bed with this fucking guy uh, trying to make it disappear. The people, the people still want to know. So the documents that got released um, were in relation to his like personal calendar or like his schedule or something. So they have names of people now that were on his calendar, right? They still don't have the names out of his little black book, right? Like his contact list, all the all that, right? No, we still don't get that. But someone got access to one of his calendars and released that. And kind of interesting of the people that were meeting with him uh, that we now have like legitimate record of. Um, So the first one is William Burns, who I would imagine no one knows who this is because I didn't know who it was. Truthfully, I didn't know who anyone was in the article, but anyway, go on. Oh, you read it? I sent it to you. Oh, you did? When? I don't know. <laughs> in the Twitter group? No. I don't send things in the Twitter group. You guys send too many messages. Yeah, that's why like I said in the Twitter group, because sometimes I don't... Uh... I sent it to you on Sunday. Oh. From Sarcasm Speaks. Oh, on Twitter, though? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Like, sometimes I get so many fucking messages on Twitter, I just, like, just don't even talk. <clears throat> you replied. So- that's uh, that's you, on me. You replied. Replied acknowledges you saw it. All right. Well, there you go. There you have it. Um, so, so yes, the, the people the people that were listed, I don't know who any of them are. No. So William Burns, the first one. He is um, the current director of the CIA. So I was able to listen to some of the one of the Drinking Bros podcasts where they talked about this. And they actually drew a very interesting conclusion with this guy that I was unaware of at the time because I don't know politics that good. So William Burns, again, the the current director of the CIA, was meeting with Epstein frequently. During this time when he was meeting, which I think was in 2014, he was the deputy secretary of state. 
And again, this was the connection that was made by the Drinking Bros podcast. Shout out to Dan Holloway. Um, the Secretary of State. Hill Dog? Hillary Clinton. So who do we know had a good relationship with Jeffrey Epstein? Bill Clinton, right? I would, And then by proxy, I would imagine Hillary was there also, right, Bill? I mean... We, I think we we might have confirmation of like the the flight logs that that Clinton was there. Uh, I think he was the one that went twenty seven times or something like that. I know someone did. I don't know whether it was Bill Gates or Bill Clinton or some someone. Either way, won a bunch of fucking times, right? Bill Clinton, known associate Jeffrey Epstein, his wife Hillary, obviously going to be somehow involved. Is going to know Epstein, right? Um, and the guy that worked. For directly for Hillary Clinton, who is now the director of the CIA, uh, was involved with Jeffrey Epstein. I think that qualifies as nothing to see here, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely nothing to see here. No conclusions to be drawn. Nothing like that. All coincidence. Yep. Yep. Um, so then the next one which seems to kind of not really make a whole lot of sense. But um, again, Dan kind of said that he could see why it made sense. But Noam Chomsky, um, who's an author, right? And professor and all that shit. He's like a, he's a writer, right? Um, He's also like quite literally, I think like 96 years old or something like that. He's old as fucking dirt. Um, So Dan, Dan was saying that, um, it makes sense because if you work in the intelligence world, you're looking for influence everywhere. So you need to make connections with people everywhere. So yeah, Noam Chomsky was an author and a professor and a writer or whatever, but he's pretty influential. Like he's a pretty famous writer. Um, so getting close to him would make sense from an intelligence standpoint. So it was really cool to like read this this article and then also hear Dan's take on it because he's ex-military. He worked for Department of Homeland Security. Like he he gets it, right? Like he thinks the way these this, you know, these people think. He he understands the intelligence community. Um so for him to sit there and be like, well, yeah, obviously he would meet with this guy because he's looking for influence. And again, it's just another, another, I guess, piece of evidence that points towards Epstein being in some sort of intelligence agency, right? That's the one thing that like no one really ever wants to talk about either. Well, people like us do, but people in the media and you know the the elites and all whoever who whomever you will um, don't want to talk about it. But, you know, and everyone's just kind of like grasping at straws, like, was he CIA? Was he Mossad? You know, was he whoever, right? MI6? Like, they don't, they don't know. They just, people kind of assume he was in some sort of intelligence agency. And we have no real proof one way or the other. Um, but it's one of these things where someone like Dan can sit there and, you know, add up some of the things that might not be obvious to you, people like you and me and 
makes a little bit more sense. So is like kind of the running thought that Jeffrey Epstein is more than just a pedophile? Yes. Okay. I don't think I knew that. Anyway. So the more, the more I go, I think about it, the more I'm super, I mean, I've always been fascinated with this case, but I, I'm wondering, right? Like how this works again. I know nothing about the intelligence world. Uh, I'm not even going to pretend like I do. Right. But if I'm just guessing and like just thinking through it, I've wondered if Epstein started as intelligence and one of the ways he used to compromise targets was with young girls. And he kind of like fell victim to that in a way and then became that. Right. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I don't know if he, cause he is a, he is, was a pedophile, right? Like he's a piece of shit, but like, I'm curious as to, was he a pedophile that, you know, intelligence agency X sought out to do stuff for them? Or was he a worker for intelligence agency X that used young girls as a a, tra- a trap and a lure for other people, and he himself fell victim to that down my, somewhere down the line. My hypothesis is, if you're a pedophile, you're probably wired that way. Yep, that's fair. And I only I think only a pedophile would use pedophilia as a weapon. I just don't see a regular person using that. And then also then falling into the victim. It's it's almost like trying to use heroin to like influence the world, knowing what it does, and then still using it. It's like what the fuck is yeah, wrong. Yeah, it would be it would it, if you use the the heroin equivalent, it would be like getting high on your own supply, basically, right? Like, but more than that, you're a like heroin be- dealer who then becomes addicted to heroin. You're being you're such a savant that you figured out this like back way method of like in we'll just say influence right and then it's like you were too stupid to realize that you fell into the same fucking trap you're just as dumb as everybody else. like that so that's why like yeah i'm guessing he was pedophile through and through and then just you, you know was like well i'm a fucking piece of shit and i can use this as leverage yeah so maybe that would, that, was, that would be my hypothesis. Yeah. Yeah. That would be another way to, right. To look at it. Cause then, cause in my, my, one of my hypothesis was that like the CIA sought him out because of this, but yours is a little, Oh no, different. it's it's same, same thing. Like yeah. he, either one, either situation, regardless of specifics, I don't have any specifics. He was a pedophile that then did what he did. Right. Right. And how he did it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, super fucking fascinating, interesting case. But um, I guess so there are two other people that were on the list. Um, Leon Botstein, who is probably like the most inconsequential person out of all of this, um, was the president of Bard College. Like, I don't. I don't even know what that is. What is that? Yeah, I have no idea. Um, apparently, he was invited 
to the campus several times while he was president. Uh, Epstein was invited by Botstein, right, several times while Botstein was president. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, unless he was, I mean, this is really fucked up and dark, but like, unless he was using Bard College to like find girls, like, I don't know. I have no idea. Could have been. Could have been, right? Like, I, I have no fucking clue. Um, and then the last one was Catherine Rumler, uh, who served as White House counsel under Barack Obama. Uh, met with Epstein dozens of times in the years between her White House career and her next job as an attorney at Goldman Sachs. So literally the president's lawyer, right? The president's attorney <laughs> um, met with this pedophile dozens of times after she was the lawyer for the president and before she was the lawyer for Goldman Sachs which is like probably one of the top five biggest banks in the country, which ipso facto, one of the biggest banks in the world. <laughs> so. Seems important. I, so the only thing I like, so obviously I, I didn't know who any of these people were. I also wasn't able to draw any conclusions to like, okay, so now we have a few names, fine, but I, I don't know enough to know like what the significance of these names are like beyond just having some published information. Right. Yeah. Cause before it's like, I mean the, the plane logs gave us info. So we know like some of the people that were there and now we definitely know some people that used to meet with them, but like, I still don't think we really know much. Right. Yeah, we don't really know a whole lot. The The only thing we do know is that all of these meetings with those four people um, happened after he was convicted in 2008 of um, soliciting and procuring a minor for prostitution. So he was a convicted sex offender at the time he was meeting with all of these people. Okay. I mean, again, it doesn't really change much. Right. But so one of the points they made on Drinking Bros was like, if you're someone of power, right? So um, William Burns, right? Who at the time was the deputy secretary of state. You mean to tell me that you had a meeting with someone and no one in your office or any of your aides or the fucking intern Googled this dude who you were supposed to meet with and was like, hey, you sure you want to meet with this guy? Like, do you know who he is? Like, there were never any conversations like that that happened. Like, who would find out? Yeah, it's yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. That's why they, that's <laughs> how people get caught. They don't they don't think all the way through. Like, they don't like. It's like, oh well, this Epstein guy. Well, he's a little sketchy, but I know he has a shitload of money because I think I saw something about like Harvard and MIT taking a ton of money and then eventually like giving it back or something. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Or just like redistributing, like giving it to another uh, charity or some shit. And it's like, all right, well, this guy's got a shitload of money. And most people will listen to other people when they have a shitload of money. But no one thinks like, you know what though? This guy's kind of sketchy. So it's like take, even taking a meeting with him doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. 
But no, they probably look at it like, oh, maybe he'll give me some money for something one time. Yeah, maybe he'll donate to yeah, something. He can, be, he can be an anonymous donor. Right. And then, oh, no, wait. This goes way deeper than that. Yeah. And now his calendar is being leaked. All because most likely, this is just another one of my hypotheses, all because he has money and you maybe wanted some. Yeah. Now, when you're the crypt keeper of that author, because would you say he is like legitimately fucking 95 like years old? Yeah, yeah. So even Doesn't 10 really years matter. ago, he was in his mid-80s. <laughs> Doesn't matter at this point. The guy's too old. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, if you're the current director of the CIA, might have some explaining to do. Probably not, but... Yeah, probably not, right? That's the other thing. Like, what's going to happen, right? And this is your favorite line, right? <laughs> what, what's going to come of this? Nothing. 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 That's that's the truth of it, right? Um, and it sucks. But what are we going to do? <laughs> what the fuck are we going to do about it? <laughs> no one's going to do anything. Yeah. Dude, even if it comes out like... Let's use Bill Gates because he's the only one. Like, like if it comes out about Clinton, like Clinton doesn't do anything. He's just a former president now. Right. Like, let's come out that let, let let's have it come out that Bill Gates is like evidenced of like diddling kids or whatever, whatever the fuck they used to do there. Yeah. So he'll be obviously he'll be out at Microsoft if he isn't already. Yeah, truthfully, I don't know what his position know what does. is at Microsoft. But like, we're also in like a weird place where it's like Microsoft will be fine or they won't. Yeah. Like the things that they produce people need still. So right. people are probably still going to use them. So it's like really what comes of that? Unless Biden's on the list and he gets fucking impeached, but I don't even think that's possible. Like, that doesn't make any sense, like, logically. Like, I don't know. It's weird. I think... So Gates stepped down as CEO in 2000. So that's Steve Ballmer as who replaced him. <laughs> so what does Bill Gates do? Besides annoy me. I don't know. And buy up all the farmland in the country. He, you know, he's the largest owner of farmland. Um, in June 2008, Gates transitioned to a part-time role at Microsoft and full-time work at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which is also really fucking sketchy. Um, if you start looking into all that stuff. He stepped down as the chairman of the board of Microsoft in 2014. Dude, he doesn't do anything anymore. He's just a rich dude. Yeah. So what's going to happen to him? Like, nothing's going to happen. Like nothing nothing's going to happen to these people. He's trying his best to turn into a fucking James Bond villain. Just lying in the weeds. He is um I forget the dude's name, but it's Jonathan Price in uh Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> I forget the I forget the guy's name. 
but I, I, I mean, jo- Jonathan Price is the actor that played him. He was yeah, like, was, the, that, was that the news tycoon or whatever? Yeah, it was. That's basically Bill Gates at this point, or who Bill Gates wants to be. <laughs> that would be quite the heel turn. Yeah. Well, I mean, he does all kinds of sketchy shit, right? Like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation funds all kinds of dumb shit. And like I said, they buy up all this farmland all across the country. And now what is the the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation supporting? Like veganism, right? They're the ones that donate to all these causes that say red meat is bad. Red meat is bad for you. You need to eat plants. Oh, funny. The guy that owns more farmland than anybody else in the country is telling you you need to eat more stuff that grows out of the ground and that you can't eat animals anymore. Interesting. No one wants I bet, to I, think you know about what? that. I bet you's got so he's I, I bet you too. It's like people are probably like, oh, he just wants everyone to buy his like vegetables, whatever. I go, nah, he's probably just driving up the price of fucking meat because if he's got that much farmland, he's got fucking livestock. I will not believe that he doesn't. Maybe. I don't know. I don't I I don't know, to be honest. So no, you don't have to know. I've <laughs> I've 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 formulated my opinion. <laughs> We're not a fact-based show here. Nope. Opinions only. Really, opinions are all that matters in my <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> Strong opinions. <laughs> um so speaking of like the the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and all kinds of sketchy shit. It's a great transition. So I listened to the one of the more recent uh, Joe Rogan podcasts with Dr. Asim Malhotra, Mal, Malhotra or Mahotra. I don't know. He's Manny Malhotra. He's um, British. I think oh. he's of Indian descent, but he's British. Um Manny Malhotra played in the NHL for like a billion years. Ah, okay. Well, it's probably spelled the same way. Um, <clears throat> so the, very rarely, right, I come across a podcast episode where I listen to it or watch it, depending on what it is. And I, and I sit there and I go, holy fucking shit, everybody needs to watch this. Right. Like one of the last ones was Peter Zion. Right. Like that, that one was pretty good when it came out with Rogan. Um, you know, the, uh, the one that I sent to you that you ended up listening to on the plane um, with uh, Brigham. I forget his name. I forgot his name, I think, on the last show, too. Uh, but Brigham something. Um, Bueller. Brigham Bueller, I think. Um, there's a few of them. Like I said, every now and then they pop out and it's like, wow, like. People need people need this. Like people need to listen to this. So, Doctor Asim Malhotra, I will give you like the the cliff notes here. Um, he started out his career. So he's a cardiologist um, by trade. He started out his career, and he te- he spends the first like forty five minutes of the podcast talking about like his background and like the beginning of his career. So he started out um, as a you know fellow, whatever, as all doctors do, uh, in some cardiology department. Uh, I think he was a cardiac surgeon at one point or training to be, all this stuff. And this was around the time when 
everyone was coming out saying that cholesterol is bad. So you can't eat eggs, you can't eat butter, like you're going to die of heart attacks. Like if you eat cholesterol, the more fat that you eat, you're going to, you're more likely to die of a heart attack. And this guy being a cardiologist was like, okay, like, let me check this out. Like, let me read some of these studies that, you know, the BBC on his end again, because he's British and like all of these, these media corporations are talking about, you know, why fat is going to kill you. Right. Um, so he finds out that these studies are basically bullshit. So there were a bunch of studies and I didn't know this until this, this episode, but all studies do that. Well, I can't say all, but most studies do this where they have, especially when it's funded by a, a corporation that ha- that wants to see a certain result, they have a way of filtering the result so that their hypothesis is supported. So say like when it comes to a drug, right? So what he used specifically was statins. So he spent the very early part of his career, again, on a crusade against statins and why he was telling everyone that eating dietary fat does not fuck up your cholesterol. So he talked about this study or a bunch of studies that when they would run this study, they're giving people statins, right? To help change their cholesterol. Well, some of these people would experience side effects from statins. And they estimate, again, because there's really no good numbers on it because they were, you'll see in a second. So they estimate one in five people were experienced like moderate to severe side effects from taking a statin, which one in five people, that's 20 fucking percent. You imagine, like, think about all the people that are on statins right now, just in this country. And, you know, 20, 30 years ago, when they were doing these studies, 20% of the people had some sort of moderate to severe side effect. However, what these quote unquote scientists did was for a lot of the people that showed side effects, they removed them from the study. So they did this in two ways. One of them was um, some of the people refused to continue with the study, right? Because they got these awful side effects. So they were like, I don't want to take this statin anymore. I don't want to be part of the study. So they remove them. They say, okay, cool. And then their numbers don't count anymore. So the other way, I think what they did was they used, they called it non-compliance. So like if someone receives some sort of, um, you know, side effect from, from taking the statin, um, they just chalked it up as, well, you're not doing it. You're not dosing it right. Or you're not taking the right amount or you're doing something wrong. So like, you know, like maybe you're skipping days, right? Like maybe you're not taking it every day when you're supposed to take it. So they removed them out of the study for quote unquote, non-compliance. So 
when it all boiled down to was like at the end of the day, like a very minuscule amount of people in the study had any side effects from statins. And that was the basis of how basically modern medicine 20 years ago went the way of, oh, you have high cholesterol. Here's a drug, here's Lipitor, right? Here's Crestor, like all those, those statin drugs. And then no one talked about any of the side effects because the, the, the scientific studies that were done on them were altered. They literally took the people out of the study. So now instead of saying they had a 20% rate of shown side effects, I don't know, they might've said it was only like 3% or something. I don't know. I don't remember what the exact number was when it changed, but I, I remember that they said one in five people had some sort of side effect. So like that's pretty fucking fucked up right there. Yeah, but re that's how research is done. I suppose it's when it's funded by somebody, it just, you know, is manipulated to do what they want to do. Yeah. And that's that's basically what this guy said, was saying, this Dr. Asim. <clears throat> um, so he took it upon himself to kind of like start a crusade against this and show he showed like real evidence that these drugs weren't actually as um, efficacious as they were purported to be, right? So he obvious, but obviously received a lot of backlash for this. So again, I'm gonna try to that I I dove a little deep in there, but I'm gonna try and keep it more more cliff notes moving forward. Now that's that's just like how he got started as a doctor. So he he dealt with all kinds of crazy shit, right? That's pretty. Pretty straightforward. Um, so now fast forward to like three years ago. What, what, what were we dealing with about three years ago? Nothing. <laughs> Australia was on fire. Yeah, Australia was on fire. Um, there was this really weird uh, sickness that was going around and everyone had it. And people thought that Everyone was going to die and all kinds of crazy shit was going on. Well, it turns out that this same guy, Dr. Asim Maholtra, did a little bit of a deep dive into the vaccine research. And again, I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil it. I think everyone should listen to it, but it was very similar to the results that he found with statins back in like, you know, call it the late nineties, maybe eighties, nineties. I don't know. Um, whenever that, that, that stuff was going on. And he received the same kind of backlash and all kinds of shit. So basically what he found was that the MRNA versions of the vaccines were actually detrimental to people's health, right? So he gets way into like the details of how it works, but basically how it works is for whatever reason, um, they cause systemic 
inflammation in the body. So what he said was, oddly enough, the people that were considered high risk were the ones that were affected the worst by um, vaccine um, side effects because they're traditionally the ones that have more systemic inflammation already. So what he said was, if your baseline for inflammation is already high and you take this, this drug, basically, you're now going to increase your your systemic inflammation in your body. So he was like, when these people were, you know, 28, 29, 36 years old, dropping dead of heart attacks, you know, within six months of, of getting their vaccine, he goes, he lay, he lays it all out as to like the mechanism of how it works. And he goes, no respectable doctor can sit there and say that there's no correlation at all. He goes, was it the end all be all direct cause? We don't know. We can't say that. But what you 1000% cannot do is sit there and say that there was no correlation whatsoever. Right. Because in Rogan talked about this, he was like, it's unbelievable that this phenomenon, right? Like if there's any other drug in the world, someone takes a drug, right? They start a new drug and use Lipitor, right? Like, oh, you start Lipitor. Six weeks after starting Lipitor, you have a fucking stroke. Every regular normal person in the world is going to be like, I don't know, it was probably something to do with that fucking drug that you just started taking six weeks ago. But for whatever reason, with this stuff, with the, with the COVID stuff, like a bunch of people take this drug basically, right? You get a vaccine, it's a drug, like it's a, you know, whatever you want to call it, drug gene therapy, it doesn't fucking matter. You take this thing and then eight weeks later, you have a heart attack or you have a stroke. The response from people is like, well, you know, people die. People have heart attacks all the time. How do you know it was this, right? So like, there's this like ridiculous dichotomy going on because you have like seemingly normal thinking people that again, in the previous previous example, start taking a new drug, drug A. Nine weeks after taking drug A, you die of a heart attack. Seemingly normal person's gonna be like, I don't know, might have something to do with that drug that you started. But when you replace drug A with COVID vaccine, people are like, no, how could it be the vaccine? It's not that. People, people have heart attacks all the time. 34-year-olds die of heart attacks all the time. You know, it's like all logic and reasoning goes out the window. I mean, that's my biggest takeaway of the last four years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, three, and a, three and a half. Three and a half. But so this guy, this guy goes into it. He does a whole deep dive. His dad actually died from a vaccine side effect. He had a heart attack. So his dad was, he tells the whole story. His dad was 73 years old, but he was in fantastic shape. He said that he could, so this guy, this doctor, um, Dr. Malhotra, he is in really good shape. He says he's very active. He works out every single day. Um, he's, he's, a very athletic person, right? And he said that some sports they would play 
like him and his dad would play things together, whether it was tennis or they would go on runs together. They would do all kinds of things together. And he goes, sometimes he would beat him in whatever endeavor they were doing, right? So like, yes, he was 73 years old, but he was a very fit, very healthy 73-year-old. And I think, I think it was seven weeks after he got one of the, the, the mRNA vaccines, uh, he died of a heart attack. So he has a, a personal investment into this, obviously, right? Um, and I sit there and I try, I think it's pretty obvious <clears throat> where I sit on the whole thing, but I try to I try to keep bias out of things as much as possible. I try to think in opposite ways, but like the way this guy lays everything out, it's really hard to do. Like I would, I would love to see, you know, like a, a Sanjay Gupta or like one of these like gung ho, you know, vaccine scientists come in and try and refute the things that he's saying. Because yeah, but they, they won't with any evidence. Mostly because I don't think they can. Right. And the biggest, the biggest point that Dr. Malhotra has is that he can sit there and say the evidence that you're using is manipulated. Right. So but then it's like, you know, because now you have to act on emotion. Right. And now he's bad for saying that. Right. Right. <clears throat> so I don't know. Like I said, it's, um, let me see. I mean, you can, you can look it up and you can find it, but I want to see if I can get the, um, the actual number here for you guys. It's episode, depending on when you're listening to this too, you might not listen to this till next week or someone might be listening to this six months from now, who knows? Um, so it's a Joe Rogan podcast, episode 1979 with Dr. Asim right right Malhotra. Um, like I said, very rarely, because I'm, I get it, right? People have the podcast that they listen to, they like, I'm not going to sit there and tell everyone they need to listen to the podcast that I listen to. But again, occasionally I come across something like this where I sit there and I go, I think people need to hear this, right? Um, I think it's important. So again, because of the way he lays out his arguments, right? It's not me. It's not just some shit dick sitting in front of his fucking computer talking to his buddy about like how this shit works. Like, I don't know. I'm just regurgitating what I heard earlier. Like, I, th I think people should actually hear it from him and see the way he crafts this argument and lays out all his information. Um, then I think it's, I think it's fantastic. And I think it's worth, uh, you know, whatever, two and a half hours, however long it was. Don't tell me how to spend my two and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> So you got a long car ride. You can bang it out. Well, hopefully I don't have a fucking two and a half car hour car ride anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, I don't Fuck know that. where we'd even go. There would be it have to be like you go to the Cape. Mid, That's about how long it takes. Yeah, it would have to be like mid Cape. Mid Cape during traffic. That's what it took me. It took me two and a half hours to get home from Chatham. 
should be an hour and a half. Yeah. That's quite the fucking ride. Uh, all right. You want to start wrapping this up? Yes. So Michaela and I watched John Mulaney's stand-up special. Um, it's on Netflix. I think it's recent. Whatever. Um, it's good, so I'm recommending it. Let's just not beat around the bush here. Uh, watch it because it's funny because he's funny. And it has a lot to do with him now being um, off of coke. <laughs> like he was a fucking massive cokehead. So the special is really kind of based around pretty much all of that. Like, um, I don't know if he started with his intervention. He might have. Um, but uh, I do recommend go watch it. It's funny. All right. I like it. Um, all right. What? Uh, all right. I, I got a final thought here. <clears throat> um, I feel like I've done so much fucking talking in this episode too, but I, this would, could have potentially been a, an actual, you know, segment, if you will, or topic. Um, but I'm going to have it be my final thought. So, I recently um, went back, started going back to the doctor um, and I found I was on a wait list for like three months. Um, so it's actually the doctor that I used to go to in Foxborough, but he left and started his own practice in East Greenwich, Rhode Island, uh, which is about a half hour from my house. It's not bad. Um, so what he does is so the the practice is called direct doctors um and the style of doctoring <laughs> if you will um i think is called direct care so they were really creative with their name i know so what direct care does is and how this this works is i pay my doctor 85 bucks a month and that's it Right. So like I don't pay a copay when I go see him. Um, nothing. So he doesn't take insurance. All he all I do, all he asks is I pay him 85 bucks a month. So I do that and I can text him whenever I want. I have his phone number. Um, I can we talk on email. Um and I can basically get in to see him for the most part, whenever I want, right? Like obviously finding an appointment for like the next day is going to be pretty difficult. Like unless you're pretty flexible and you're, you know, you can go at 10 AM on a Tuesday. If you're trying to get in, if you're looking on Monday, like, yeah. <laughs> so if you work a job that, you know, is, is flexible time-wise. You mean like, like you don't have shit to do from nine to three sometimes? Yeah, basically. Um, you can get in to see him within a day's notice if needed. Most most likely like, you know, if you're looking like a month out to schedule a doctor's appointment, like you'll be 1000% able to find something. Um, but as you get like within the two week window, 
um, his appointments get booked up, right? Like it's like you just go on to like whatever software they use and you see like what appointments he has available on what days and you just click it and book it and it puts your name in the slot. So like I said, I was on the wait list for a couple of months. I finally was able to go see him last week. Um, and it is 1000% worth every penny. Um, I walked in, I mean, I like the guy too. That's why I went to him originally when he was in Foxborough. Like I read a little bit about him. Um, and super, super great guy. We start talking, whatever. And he's like, all right, so like, you know, what do you, what do you want to do? He goes, I'll do a physical for you today. Um, but like, you know, we can do whatever else you want, which like not a red flag. This would be a green flag, green flag, number one, right? Anytime you go to the doctor, if you go for a physical, you literally cannot do anything else because because they go through insurance, I think a physical, you don't have to pay a copay. But if during your physical, right, I think they cover one physical a year for free without a copay. But if you're during your physical, you then have to do other things. It no longer counts as a physical. And now your insurance won't cover it, right? So it's like, it's this whole fucking thing. So green flag number one, right? He's like, yeah, I'll do a physical for you today, but we can talk, whatever. So we sit there and we go and I go, ah, I mean, I don't know how much time we have and all this. But like, I got a lot of shit to, to go over. I haven't really been to a doctor in probably almost three years. And he goes, he looks at me and he goes, that's fine. We have all the time in the world. He goes, I got no rush. Green flag number two, right? Like, <laughs> like typical doctor, you go in, you have nine minutes with the guy, right? Like they're trying to shoo you out, the whole thing, whatever. Like we, we talked about, like I gave him my whole family history because obviously he needed it for my charts and stuff. So we start talking and we get into the whole, like, I have a, a little bit, I have a background in human physiology, right? Like I, I have a master's degree and whatever. I told, like we, we start talking and I told him about my uh, histamine issue. Remember? So from a few episodes ago, if you've been following, I talked about my discovery that I I had figured out or you know drawn some sort of conclusion that I am intolerant of histamine. So I got I bought these little fucking pills on Amazon. Again, it's a histamine digest uh, enzyme. So I tell him about it, and he looks it up and he goes, "Yeah, actually, yeah, that checks out." He goes, "I." Because I told him the whole story about like, I think I told it on the podcast, right? I drank one glass of bourbon, had a massive fucking headache. I've always been kind of sensitive to soy and avocado. I went down these rabbit holes, yada, 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 whatever. And he's like going through and he's like, I'm not, but when I first told him, he was like, I'm not really familiar with that, but like, let me look it up real quick. So he's like pulling up some like, literature or whatever the fuck he's doing and he's reading. He just went to examine.com stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably. Um and he goes, yeah, I mean, that checks out. He goes, this kind of like makes sense, I guess, for what you're doing. And he was like, when you take the that that pill, like, does it help? Like, does it make you feel better? And I go, yeah, I got no problem. And I told him like, you know, whatever day when, you know, when I went to your house um, and I, I took the, the histamine pills, 
had a few drinks, woke up the next day, felt totally fine. And he goes, wow. He's like, all right, well, good on you. He was like, actually like genuinely impressed that I had like tinkered my way through figuring out what this was. Um, I would have just slapped some lead tape on it. <laughs> lead tape fixes everything. So that was pretty cool, right? We're talking about that. And then he goes, let me look that stuff up and make sure it's safe, like just for you to take, like the digestive enzyme or whatever, or the company. And he's like, yeah, no, everything. He's like, I'm not seeing anything bad. So realistically, he was probably on the Amazon reviews or something. <laughs> but um, it was great. Like, so that was great. He was great. We start talking again, more just everything down the whole list of shit that I wanted to cover. And he's like, all right, cool. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to order you a bunch of labs. And he's like reading off all the shit. And he goes, you want anything else? <laughs> and I go, I mean, I'm just me personally, like I'm kind of interested to see like where my testosterone levels are. And he was like, all right, cool. And he like adds it. And so I have this like ridiculous list of like a full blown, like everything blood panel, right? Like fucking uh, CBC, um, you know, thyroid hormones, uh, testosterone, uh, your, you know, the fat, right? The cholesterols, like the fats, uh, triglycerides, all that bullshit, like anything and everything you could think of. Vitamin D, he got me tested for vitamin D, like everything. He ordered it all. That'll be low. Yeah. Well, I do, I supplement. Well, then it'll be fine. Yeah, probably. There we go. Blood panel done. Yeah. Um, so he's like, all right, great. And I go, just to make sure, like, you know, my insurance covers all this. And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, with my referral, your insurance will cover it. He goes, I just don't take insurance. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, perfect. So I go, I go to Quest and I get the blood work done. Boom. They they take my insurance card. I don't pay a fucking dime. So I just got like a massive blood work order. And my insurance just covers it because my doctor ordered it, right? Because they were like, well, it's the order of the doctor, so we'll cover it. But that's the thing. Most traditional doctors are going to sit there and be like, because I know this because I went through it with my last doctor, which is why I don't go to him anymore. And he was like, why do you want that test? Like, I don't know, dude, because I want to fucking, I'm curious. Like, I want to know where my shit's at. He goes, you don't need that. You're 27 years old. You're 28 years, however old I was at the time. He goes, you don't need that. I'm not, I'll, I'll do a, a CBC and a, and a, a lipid panel and that's it. I'm like, all right, sick dude. Um, so again, fuck that guy. But, um, yeah, the new guy shout out, shout out, shout out to, uh, Dr. Hetty, right. From, uh, direct doctors in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Uh, absolutely fantastic. So I got that, um, obviously. So through the uh, my family history of, you know, my dad died of a heart attack. My uncle died of a heart attack when he was like a child. My grandfather had a heart attack and survived <laughs> like, you know, in the nineties, he ordered a, um, a calcium, a coronary calcium scan, which I go for that Thursday night. Um, it's super quick. It's just like a CT scan. I don't know. Have you ever heard anyone talk about them? No. Um, all it does is it just takes us like a CT scan of your heart and it just looks for calcium buildup 
in your coronary arteries in your heart, which obviously that's a fucking problem, right? That's a, that's how you have a heart attack or one of the ways you have a heart attack at least. Um, and he was like, you're 31 years old. He goes, I expect to not see anything. He goes, but given your family history, if we see anything, obviously we know like we have to do something about this. And I was like, yeah, sure. And he even goes like, so he told me up front too. He was like, this is a test that's new. And he goes, your insurance is not going to cover it. And he goes, but I think it's only like 120 to like 150 bucks. So I'm like, that's, that's fine. Like, it's not a big deal, whatever. Um, so when I booked it, it ended up only being a hundred bucks, but um, he ordered it. He's got it. I'm going on Thursday. There was something else too. Oh, he hooked me up with a, uh, an ENT too, an ear, nose and throat doctor. Cause I got a deviated septum, like pretty fucking bad um, for at least 10 if not almost 15 years, um, I've only been able to breathe out of one nostril. <laughs> and You're it's just like the healthiest person I know. <laughs> yeah. um, so he, I told him about this and he stuck the little thing in my nose and goes, oh yeah. He like chuckled. It was like, I, he like touched my nose like right here. And he goes, I can't see past right here. <laughs> He's like, it's your, your septum is bowing out. And I go, yeah, I guess that, you know, that makes sense. Cause I can't fucking breathe. Um, That's supposed to do that. Or I can, I can only breathe out of one nostril basically. So I have that like later this month, I'm going to go meet with uh, the ENT doctor and hopefully get my nose fixed. Um, which will in turn, hopefully fix my snoring when I sleep. Cause I have to breathe out of my mouth when I sleep because I can't breathe out of my nose. Um, so it's like a, you know, the trickle down shit. So basically that's a long way of saying that if you can find a doctor, that's a direct care doctor that, like I said, you just pay them a monthly flat fee and it's reasonable for you, right? Everyone's going to have a different number. Like to me, 85 bucks a month is worth it, right? Like it's for everything that I'm going to get out of it and the access to the doctor and to have someone that I actually like. And it's just, it's worth it to me. Um, I mean, you know, obviously for some people, 85 bucks a month is too much, right? Like if this was six years ago and I was still working at my last job and making not like fucking pennies, right? Make it less than $40,000 a year. 85 bucks a month, I probably would not be too keen about that. Um, so every everyone's different. I, I recognize that. I'm not going to sit here and like pound the drum and be like, oh yeah, whatever. Um, pay this money. But it's definitely worth it. Like I said, if, if you can find a direct care doctor um, that fits your budget, do it. Like if, you, if you're on the fence right now and you were thinking, this is your... This is me pushing you on the other side of the fence. Just do it. Just call them, make the appointment, get on the wait list, um, and go do it. This is me pushing you off the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> so, good stuff. We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. I'm mostly excited to just hopefully be able to breathe again. Why would um, you want that? 
That doesn't make any sense. That seems like the dumbest conclusion you can make. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Breathing right? comfortably. Yeah. Sleeping well. None of that's none of that's fucking worth it. <laughs> the other thing too is, I mean, I'm also not some fucking I'm not naive enough to think that like it's a real thing that would happen like overnight. But again, in like the uh whatever you want to call it supply and demand type of world right if enough people start leaving insurance based doctors and moving to direct care doctors um you might actually be able to affect some change there again like probably the way insurance companies work and they're so fucking huge and there's so many people and all that i'm not going to sit here and be like we can do this if everyone who listens to this podcast goes to a direct care doctor. First of all, it's only like, depending on the day, anywhere between 40 and 100 people. Um, so, you know, it's not like we have a massive following either, but outside of all those people in Missouri, shout out to you guys. Um, but like I said, like if if you were thinking about it, or maybe you didn't even know about it, right? Like maybe you're listening to this, you had no fucking clue that that even existed, Go look it up. See if there's one near you, right? Find out some more information um, if you're interested, right? Like as I'm, you know, on the other side of 30, I've started to actually, you know, think that I should pay a little bit more attention to my health. No, um, no, no. You don't get it. <laughs> so, you know, you can get away with a lot of things when you're 22 that you can't get away with when you're, 31 32 you should you just have a bad attitude <laughs> just ignore all your problems and they'll go away. yeah you you just don't have the right mindset for this yeah <laughs> you're allowing health to defeat you <laughs> and frankly it brings me down a little bit to hear such things <laughs> sorry to disappoint <sighs> apology accepted <laughs> Uh, well, that uh, that's going to do it for us. That's going to wrap it up here. So we're done. Uh, thank you for watching. If you're on YouTube, uh, don't forget to subscribe. Give us a thumbs up, like, rate, review, uh, if you, even if you're audio only. Uh, tell everybody you know about the show. Um, you can get us on Instagram at Sarcasm Speaks Pod. We're on Twitter at Sarcasm underscore Speaks. Facebook page is Sarcasm Speaks. Website, SarcasmSpeaks.com. Go to the merch store, buy some merch. Uh, and then while you're in a buying mood, you can go to moonbrew.com and use the promo code Jared, as in J-A-R-E-D, 16159, the world's dumbest promo code uh, that they still haven't replied to me about changing yet. Uh, but that promo code, Jared16159, will get you 10% off your entire order at moonbrew.com. Um, shit's great. I drank, I drank it earlier. It was in this fucking teacup. You, you watched me, um, been sleeping really good there. So good stuff. Uh, you can also go to grillyourassoff.com. Use the promo code SarcasmPod to get 10% off your order every single time you check out. Um, you can go to mybookie.com too while you're at it. Use the same promo code SarcasmPod and they will double your first deposit up to a thousand bucks. That's still good over there. Uh, so that is going to do it for us. Good night, everybody.